You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What is good, everyone? Welcome to the Coast to Coast podcast here on InsideCarolina.com. I'm your host, Joey Powell. We're brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt. Appreciate you guys being a part of the show tonight. Happy that you're here. Lots of stuff to talk about. I know if you think our last two episodes have been kind of lean, I should say our regularly scheduled episodes have been kind of lean. Uh, we did have two commitment pods, as UNC added a couple of guys, but this one is going to have you stocked like a uh, like a, a 40 refrigerator in a Dr. Dre video. Um, this was going to be crammed full. We got offers to talk about. We got EYBL and first live period to talk about. And we got UNC transfer portal news to talk about. So what other better way to do this than to bring in Sean Moran and Sheryl McMillan, the two fellows that always bring the knowledge here on the show on the coast to coast. Happy to have them here. Sheryl, I'm coming to you first, man. UNC added Harrison Engram and Cormac Ryan last week uh, to go with the previously committed Paxson Wojcik and Jalen Withers. That leaves the Tar Heels now with two scholarship spots going into next season. What I'd love for you to do right now is for all the peeps who are tuned in, whether it be audibly or visually, reset what important dates are still on the calendar so our listeners and subscribers know what to expect and then go ahead and set their calendars accordingly. We'll do. First, I'm going to give people a little insight into the inner workings of Inside Carolina. So, one, if I tweet something, I, I promise that it's no all about recruiting. No, 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 no. I'm stepping all over you right now because everybody knows all Sherelle does eat, sleep, and breathe recruiting. You have trained them this way, and so they will act accordingly. No, I'm sorry, man. Go ahead. So it, if something breaks, we will post it on the Inside Carolina Missions Board first. That's the only place it will be. It will go. I will not uh, tease anything or or put anything of the utmost importance on my personal Twitter account. That's one. Cryptic Two, tweets are not the way Terrell, they're the way Sherelle gets down. Correct. Two, I apologize if I seem tired or my eyes are red. I'm going to be 100% honest. Um, so we've been trying to get Harris and Ingram on an interview for a couple of days now. And 
he's in Palo Alto, California. He's on Sean's coast. And the, uh, I guess, reality of the situation is that college kids are busy. And so did not expect to conduct an interview with him at about 12.55 a.m. Eastern time last night. Uh, so I was up late. No excuses, but I wanted to just provide that context. So that's a, a little background into how IC works. Um, so right now, where UNC is at, they've got the four commitments, as Joey said, from the portal. Uh, the portal will close in about two weeks, I think 16 days. So it's like May 11th, 12th, that range. Uh, the portal will close. That does not mean that anybody who's in the portal has to make a decision by then. It simply means that you have to put your name into into the portal um, to say that you want to at least explore your opportunities of going somewhere else. Uh, from there, uh, the, the combine, the NBA combine, I believe is that next week. So usually sometime around May 15th, May 16th, that's where all the guys go to Chicago and they get feedback from uh, NFL, uh, NBA uh, GMs and coaches and scouts and just people in general. Their agents usually conduct kind of private workouts. That's sometimes where you see guys get quote unquote guarantees where <laughs> they're playing and then all of a sudden it's like they're back at home and you're like, what what happened? You're supposed to be here for five days, being here for two. From there, uh, May 31st is kind of the other big deadline from a Carolina perspective. That is when the guys who are in the draft have maintained their college eligibility and want to come back have to announce that they're coming back. From there, uh, again, no decision has to be made. There's, there's not a, a deadline. So theoretically, someone could enter the portal on May 31st and say, I'm going to transfer to my new school. And they could make a decision as long as they're in good standing and enrolled at their school, you know, when the fall semester starts. So they could take it into July or, you know, if they were really kind of a masochist, take it into August. Uh, so that's where things stand. Still a, a ways to go. And I think North Carolina is still kind of surveying the landscape to to make sure they keep their options open. Appreciate that reset. And we're going to go from Sherelle's, you know, eyelids propped open with spikes to Sean's uh, emaciated and dehydrated uh, Jordan <laughs> Jordan flu game physique because he's been uh, he's been selling Buicks all night. So I'm telling you, the coast to coast, we're 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 here. We're we're playing dummy offense. We are <laughs> not 100. Hey, you know, percent but we're here. If if if, if the game was to, was tomorrow, we would not play. But we're <laughs> here right now for practice, and uh, that's no cap, Sherelle. How you like that, um, Sean? On, on God, on God, that is busting. Uh, Sean, I, I want to ask you, what remaining needs does Hubert Davis's staff have for the roster next year? If if they're identifying what to do with those two spots, I mean, there's still talk about potential reclass from Elliot Cadeau. Obviously, if a decision is made there, we will share that with folks as soon as we have it. Um, and there's still two spots total left. And even if Cadeau were to reclass, that's still one spot left to fill with somebody. So I'm asking you, what does North Carolina need on the roster going into you know going into the summer? I think there's two two schools of thought. One is who do they need, and if if you're looking at it from that perspective, I think athleticism on the wing is is probably the main the main attribute. Uh, they have significantly upgraded shooting, basketball IQ, overall experience uh, with the transfers they've gotten, but athleticism is not really a trait that you uh, characterize with uh, with those players. I think once again, this isn't how you should define athleticism, but there was 11 dunks uh, between the four transfers last year. So, uh, you know, they're not going above the rim um, all that often. So I, I think if they were able to get an athletic slashing slashing wing, uh, I think that would be the 
prototype or that would be the position or the uh the need for for next year um you know right now when you look at their roster that you you know you have the four transfers armando rj you have the return returning bench players and in, in chimble washington done and then you have uh you know the, the freshman in, in wilshire and, and zayden high so even right there you have 12 players and i feel even with that you're starting to get into how do you feed how do you feed everybody especially when you know rj and armando are going to be commanding significant minutes uh you think the player is returning uh that are either going into their sophomore or junior seasons you know they're they're not going to be content sitting in the bench and the transfers that are coming through given their experience and their age you know they want to play as well so i think you're already getting a lot of mouths to feed on on this team so roles will be really key in identifying um, how that happens but once again, if you are dead set on adding somebody, it is uh, somebody with athleticism on the wing, in my opinion. Sean, does it uh, does it concern you at all that North Carolina now doesn't have any other, uh, I guess, depth in the post? I mean, Jalen Washington is probably going to play a lot of minutes. Armando Baycott is a true five. Aside from that, there's no depth. You know, when Will Shaver transferred, a lot of people didn't really bat an eye at it, but he's a guy who largely was going to be that dude that helped make North Carolina's post players better until he became an upperclassman and earned some playing time. Does that concern you at all? Yeah, I mean, it does, especially given Armando's uh, injury history. Uh, obviously, he's a, he's a warrior, and, and what he plays through, uh, I think, you know, is, is above, above none. But he still, you know, he has to go through a full season healthy. Washington, obviously, uh, is going to be most likely seeing increased playing time. And then Zayden High, uh, just a freshman. So, I think we've always talked about, hey, UNC, at least in the past, under Roy Williams was best when they, you know, had a legit seven, seven, eight. But then and you got you had guys nine and ten who maybe weren't part of the regular rotation. But if you if, whether it's injury or foul trouble, you you were you were fine watching them watching them come in. Um so mentioned athletic wing. I mean, that was the other thought going through my head, is it, you know, could there be another five, four, four, five? But once again, when you have Armando starting, you have Washington that is looking for increased playing time. I think that could be a tough, tough sell. Uh, you know, Withers as well. He played five as a as a freshman. I don't think he's trying to do that again, even though that was his most efficient season. But, um, you know, I, I I would be surprised if if that's the position that they look to fill. But I think it certainly is a concern given some of the injury history we've uh, we've seen. Shrill, any indication which way the staff is leaning with his last two scholarships? You don't need, I'm not necessarily asking for people as much as I am. Do you have any sense as to, as to what sorts of, of player types, I guess, for lack of a better term, they might be looking for? Yeah, I think the athletic wing is kind of at the tops of the list right now because this is kind of the one thing they don't have. Um, it's just, to Sean's point, it's very hard to kind of talk someone into coming and saying, you can play, you know, be the backup five here, but the backup five is probably not going to play that much. And there's a reasonable chance that you're actually the backup backup five because I think Jalen Washington's going to play there a, a good amount. Probably the majority of his minutes will be there. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's it's uh, that athletic, you know, tallish wing who, who can shoot. I know that sounds like a unicorn, but uh, I, they've gotten to the point now with the way the roster is that, it's more of a want than, you know, 100% need um, moving forward. Because I, I do think, you know, Simeon Wilcher can help in that regard. 
I think Cormac Ryan will help in that regard, even though they aren't your prototypical, you know, six eight kind of small forward. They are both six five ish and and can play, I think, multiple positions. So um, they're covered just in case, but they're always out there looking for for more. But of of the of the two, definitely the the tallest wing. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Inside Carolina subscribers and UNC fans in general were we're chewing their fingernails down to the quick, trying to figure out who's going to end up on the roster. And now they're at a place where they're looking for, you know, uh, wants as opposed to needs. And if you're thinking about wants and needs for your wardrobe, I'd call Johnny T-shirt. Uh, you could go visit Johnny T-shirt. Check out Johnny T-shirt on the web. They're on the old internet. www.johnnytshirt.com. They will take care of you. Uh, right now, if you're starting to look towards uh, summertime, you know, maybe you want to be like, you know, left coast Sean over there looking really, looking really fab in your, uh, in your board shorts, right? <laughs> um, I'm sure Johnny T-shirt could probably take care of you there with some UNC branded board shorts. I'm not sure if you want to go the Tommy Ashley route and rock the banana hammock like he does, you know, trying to be all European uh, when he's down there at Atlantic Beach. I don't, I don't know if Johnny T-shirt can, can help you there, but if they can't, then you probably don't need a UNC branded banana hammock. Um, but you know, maybe, maybe Tommy Ashley can tell you how he got his or which catalog from Johnny t-shirt he got his in either way, Johnny t-shirt are your people. They're ICs people. Uh, we hope that you'll take care of them, show them some love the way they have always supported inside Carolina with our content. Um, we appreciate them and hope that you will appreciate them as well. Uh, take a quick second, let the national guys come in here and run some ads. We'll be right back to talk about all of the prep action from this past weekend and give you updated on the recruiting side of things for UNC basketball here on the Coast to Coast podcast. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, fellas. Uh, 
as this past weekend came and went, there was a lot of of prep ball going on uh, because it was the first live period where coaches could go um, see guys playing in their their, their different AAU environments. Uh, Inside Carolina had yours, uh, your very favorite Sherelle McMillan was in Atlanta at the UIBL event down there. We also had some help from uh, 24-7's guys who were out at the Adidas event. Um, and, and there's just a lot to talk about here. So start first with Drake Powell. I think it has to start there because he had such a great weekend for himself. Last week, Sean and Sherelle both said they were looking forward to see how he handled uh, carrying that fifth star and seeing how that burden fit with him. But y'all, I'm, I'm not one to exaggerate here. I've known Sherelle since he was uh, knee-high to a duck, right? Like since Moses wore short pants, I have known Sherelle McMillan. He has rarely been a guy that runs out of ways to discuss a recruit. And I'm here to tell you, as we sit on uh, late April 2023, Sherelle is running out of ways to discuss uh, his impressions of Drake Powell. Sherelle, I'm going to you first. You got to see, uh, you got to see Drake Powell play. Uh, and again, talking to you off the record, you seemed really, you seemed really jacked about him. So I guess I'm kind of putting that out there. But I want you to say, what was the first thing that jumped out at you in seeing him play versus the last time you saw him play? Um, he was noticeably bigger. You know, talked to some people who were there, uh, who were close to him. And they talked about his work ethic, especially in the weight room, and just how he's trying to transform his body from kind of a slender, you know, lanky kid to like a muscular, lanky kid. And <laughs> it was definitely pretty obvious, you know, the first time he stepped onto the court. So I, full disclosure, I only watched part of his first game. Uh, that Friday night, I was more focused on Elliot Cadeau because unfortunately, all of the Carolina commits and targets played at the exact same time. They all played at 530. And so um, it was just either not be focused on one thing and, and not really be able to clean anything or just focus on one part and just miss out. So we decided to focus on Cadeau. But for the rest of the weekend, we were focused 100% on Drake Powell and just did not disappoint, man. I mean, there were I, – I think the way we said it in um, the premium scoop, which feel free to to go back and look at the EVA period. I know Sean's a fan of those, just kind of seeing how things happen and – you know, who they watched and, and how the guys performed. What Powell's been able to do is he turned, he, he kept his strength strong and turned his weaknesses into strengths. And so when you do that, you start to talk about players as being close to complete. Um, I, I don't think he's there yet, but, you know, whereas he used to, the first thing people would say about Drake Powell was like, oh yeah, he's an athlete, very good defensively, but just can't shoot, can't score. You know, what what is he going to do? At the next level, guys, they're going to leave him wide open. He's not going to be able to hit shots. Well, now he's a, a proficient shot maker. Um, he's always had the handle, I think, uh, to play, you know, to, to be able to dribble in traffic and lead breaks and everything. But now the jump shot is coming around. And now the pull-up jump shot is coming around. There were so many times where uh, he would come off, of a, come off of a screen or a curl, uh, get the ball, jab step one or two times, you know, two quick dribbles, pull-up jumper from mid-range. Good. Uh, there were several times he was wide open in the corner, uh, pull up jump shot from three. Good. There are several times where he'd come off that screen, uh, kind of jab step, take two dribbles, step back three. Good. So he's he's got everything in the arsenal. He'd come off of that off of that curl, pump fake, uh, you know, jab and drive all the way to the rim and, and either finish through traffic or get to the free throw line. So he's displaying an offensive game that has matured considerably. I would say, you know, over the last year 
you know, considerably, rapidly, <laughs> um, superly, which is not really a word, <laughs> but uh, it's 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 been impressive to watch. And then the defense has always been there. The defense is always something he's done in an elite level. But now that the offense is catching up with the defense, they're fueling each other, and you're getting a player who really is ascending. And I think ascending is the correct word. I think it was the word we used when he committed, that this is a player whose trajectory was on the way up. And I just didn't know it was going to be from, you know, the mid-70s to the 30s to 19 to uh, very likely in the top 10 in the next, you know, couple of months. That's not far-fetched at all. I don't think it's wrong at all. I'm not a guy who does rankings. Um, Obviously, I have my opinions, but there's not 10 better players in the class than Drake Powell. Those are big words from a guy that doesn't (laughs) use hyperbole very often. Sean, you talked, and and again, if I'm mis misquoting you here, please speak up. But you talked a couple of times on this show after Drake Powell committed that he was kind of a jack of all trades. I think you used Swiss Army knife as a term a couple of times. Um, what does it mean for him to take this kind of jump to where now not only does he have this well-rounded game, but he's become you know extremely reliable in, in getting his own shot and scoring. What does that do for him, and what does that do for for you know North Carolina in, in adding him to the roster? Well, I think it's 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 pretty rare in terms of what he's been been able to do. I think a lot of time when you see young athletic wings, uh, not really the best jump shot, you kind of always talk about, hey, they need to improve their jump shot. But for the most part, it, it's pretty hard to transform transform your game. So the fact that he has been able to do that, um, and, and where Sherell's going through all those all those moves that he had i mean this time last year you weren't you weren't saying that about him um and this also goes to you know got to give credit to unc and their coaching staff they identified the wing uh as a as a need in the 2024 class really early jaron stevenson was obviously the first offer but then they really focused on the wings and once they once they offered drake in the summer and once he committed that that was it. You know, he was he was the guy. Which, um, you know, having having just seen him at EYBL, I was a little you know question a little bit, but that that was obviously proven uh, <laughs> proven pretty apt in terms of the the observation, and to be able to not only play defense, rebound, but now you know kind of have that go to scoring role, especially on an EYBL team and a team that did really well. This once again, it's the first first weekend. There's many more to go, but to your point, that was a question we both had coming into this weekend. We, we saw what he did in high school. I think even seeing him on video in high school from in person and just that aggressiveness that he showed and the improvement jumped off the screen. Uh, so could he do that against more athletic, bigger players? And that was, that was certainly evident as he was the uh, MVP uh, of the first weekend in, in Nike. And just a couple of things to add uh, for context. So it's not like he was playing the, the B circuit of EYBL. Uh, one of his matchups uh, was against a guy named Caleb Wilson, who uh, I think we'll talk about and Carolina fans should probably become familiar with. He's a 2025 wing from Georgia. Uh, when I say wing, I mean of the you know six eight and a half, six nine variety, who's long arms and it's just difficult to guard. And him and Powell had a a, a pretty impressive matchup, and Powell kept him under wraps, you know, for most of the game. There's another matchup with Carter Bryant, who. I think by the time you listen to this, should be committed to uh, a certain school. I won't name the school that most people think he's going to, but he's ranked as one of the the five best players in the 2024 class, and he did nothing. 
Obviously, it's not a one-on-one -on -one matchup, but uh, that was the game. I think Powell had 28, 24, 8, and 6 and didn't play in the final five minutes. And uh, Bryant just didn't have anything for Powell. So he's playing the best players in his class and in other classes and, and kind of dominating. And CP3, uh, there's no question who kind of who, whose team it is. Uh, to give people some some additional context, uh, it goes back to something that Roy Williams talked about with Marvin Williams back in the day. Um, he was like, and obviously some of this is, is tug in cheek and probably exaggerated, but the story goes that uh, Roy, you know, was obviously enamored by Marvin Williams' size and his ability to shoot and, you know, all the things that you could do. But what really sold him is that one day he saw him getting Gatorade for his teammates and sweeping up the floor. And honest, <laughs> on, honest, honest, honestly, uh, Tyler Gilbert, uh, shout out to him. He's an IC poster. He's been around for a long time. He was sitting beside me. He said, Rail, look, look. And I was like, what? They were up by 22, I think. And there's Drake Powell getting Gatorade for his teammates. So um, just interesting, fun to see that he kind of embodies everything that they're looking for. Um, and he's also a really, really, really good basketball player. See, that's the type of stuff that Roy Williams will come out of retirement and label Drake Powell a tough little nut just for things like that, because that's absolutely something he would have he would have eaten up. And you're, I'm glad you you shared that story about the the Marvin Williams Gatorade slash water kid stuff. Cause it's, that's, that is legendary. Uh, speaking of legendary, let's, let's get on our hot pants. Talk a little bit about James Brown playing for a new team this past weekend in Mocan elite. Sean, your first takeaways from, from Brown in a, in a new environment. I mean, I think it's, it's always tough going from uh, kind of a, a team and playing, you know, Mean Streets is a Chicago team, so you're familiar with with the guys and and going going to a new team and and fitting in. Uh, you know, also, you know, I think we've been talking about one and done or top ten five star players in the 2024 class with Cadeau Jackson and now Powell. And obviously, he uh, James Brown is not not in that. Uh, but I think once again, from when you're looking at a big that can grow and develop, I think um, he he kind of fits in that in that mold last year, he was also playing on the 16, uh, you know, similar to Powell playing on that 16 under circuit, uh, with mean streets and did I'd say pretty solid. Uh, but I think once again, that, that jump to 17s, um, always, always can, uh, <laughs> can come at people pretty quick, but I think he, he adjusted pretty well during, during this one, uh, obviously it wasn't Sherelle's top focus with Cadeau and, and Powell there, but, going to look forward especially this weekend playing another tournament and then going into may to see how he continues to do playing with that new team obviously going to link academy next year which will have him uh playing on a national national schedule and just continuing to see how he develops uh with his strength and and mid-range jump shot sure anything that you're looking for specifically to to see james brown at his arsenal because i again we had him on here and he was he was amazing just a great interview but interviewing doesn't necessarily pay the bills for the kid in the future. So what do you think he needs to be working on uh, this summer with his new squad? Well, I think everything, just becoming a, a overall better basketball player. And that was, to Sean's point, the, the uh, purpose for him going to Link Academy in Branson. And uh, I'll say this too, you know, he's been there for three weeks. So he went ahead and started now because he goes to, you know, he went to St. Rita um, and so it's not like a, a public deal where he has to wait until the season ends and all that good stuff. So he's been in Missouri for a good month now. And you can tell that it is definitely basketball studying and nothing else because he 
also looks noticeably different physically. Like he, I told him, I was like, you kind of look skinny now, man. You know, he, he, he's lost a, a good amount of weight. You know, there's a lot more definition in his shoulders. Just can tell that, you know, he's in a more mature uh, program as far as weightlifting and, and all that good stuff. So that's good to see. Um, from uh, on the court perspective, uh, to Sean, like Sean said, it's, it's just tough when you're starting with a new team. This was their first weekend. It's the first time kind of uh, live action, for lack of a better phrase. Um, they played some a, a couple of tune-up games, but nothing like what they saw. And uh, we'll have a story on him at the end of the weekend. But I think he's accepting his situation and he's working to change it. So right now he comes off the bench. He's not playing a ton. Mokan is a, a team that's notorious for having three or four really tall guys on the team at all times. Uh, and so they, they rotate. And right now he's, he's starting from the back of that rotation. He's having to earn a spot. And I, I think he'll do that. Uh, but it, it does take time. So I think it says a lot about how he wants to improve as a player that um, he admitted, it was like, yeah, I'm not used to this, but, uh, it's something that I've accepted, and I'm I'm working to change through my through my play and through my hard work and everything. So that that's where he's at. I think we'll see where he's at uh, probably in a month after the the third and fourth sessions to see how his play has changed or improved. It's incredibly uh, wise and I guess grounded perspective from a kid of his age. Uh, the next one um, I want to talk about, and, and this is uh, only because he was kind of off the beaten path. Sherelle, you didn't get a chance to see him, but uh, UNC coaches did lay eyes on uh, Captain Jack Ian Jackson this weekend as the New York Wiz kids played in the uh, the 3SB event for Adidas. What can you tell us about how Jackson did? Uh, as the highlights look great, but again, I'm just a dude watching highlights. Cheryl, what did you think of of, of Jackson's weekend? Yeah, so at at the beginning we were getting reports that like maybe you know he wasn't playing his best, and then um, Adam Finkelstein he had a huge game in front of him. I think that was Saturday morning. That was a 35 point game where a lot of the um, a lot of the highlights came from. I think with Jackson, he's another player. We we tend to do this. I, I say we, the basketball community writ large, but evaluators kind of tend to do this, where a player is elevated very early, and then they spend the next two years just nitpicking it to death. Like, oh, that left hand dribble is it quite at 45 degrees like I wanted, or oh, that jump shot. There's just a slight variation on it from time to time. So I'm going to deduct points. So it's it's uh, kind of that next level evaluation where they know, already know he's a great player. And so now it's going through and figuring out, you know, what's the next thing? What's the next step? How does he get better? How does he continue to improve? How does he, uh, you know, keep from being static and, and continue to be more dynamic? So um, without being there, that's kind of the impression we got. I, I think that that game... Uh, where he played really well, kind of satiated the, the evaluators for now. The other thing that I think was really important about uh, how UNC approached things is that Hubert Davis was at Adidas the entire time. And I'm 100% certain that in my, I guess this is 23 years now of doing this and covering this since I was in college, there's never been a time where the UNC head coach, majority of that time was Roy Williams all but two years, didn't attend an, a Nike event on a particular weekend. This is the first time it's ever happened. And I think that tells you, one, um, Hebrew Davis is open to trying new things. Uh, two, that they want to make sure that Ian Jackson sees them and, and sees them a lot. And that three, the the overall talent, top-end talent on Adidas is better than, in, especially in 2025, is better than it's been in uh, a few years. 
We'll talk about that 2025 class in just a second. Sean, Ian Jackson, again, has been, like Sherelle said, highly rated for quite some time. Is it just becoming to where he's an automatic, you know, jump shooter that you want to see from him? What What's the one thing you want to see him do this summer? Well, I think like you, I was, uh, was mostly watching watching highlights of him, so not sure of any of the stats or you know what what he looked like. Adidas is a little uh, need some improvement in terms of just uh, some of that that aspect of their their program. But yeah, I think uh, three point shooting is what you want to see uh, early on in his high school career. That was probably his biggest deficiency. But even last year, you saw a big jump uh, getting to see him at his last Adidas tournament. Uh, you know, you could easily see that, that improvement in person. Um, and I think that has continued through the high school season, et cetera. There, there's still definitely some, some things to, to work through in terms of most likely efficiency as he gets, gets older. But I think you could see his ability to shoot off the dribble off the catch. Uh, as well as you know, even defensively, some of the shot blocks he had, uh, showcasing that that length and athleticism. Yeah, the highlight package that uh, has been floating around the message boards. I mean, he's he's blocking dunks, and that's I don't care who you are, it's impressive. Uh, all right, Sherelle, last one. Uh, we'll start trying to wind down the show for this week. Uh, Elliot Cadeau, and, and I know uh, again his highlight reels have become quite catchy, for lack of a better term, the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, it's it seemed like you can't go anywhere without seeing an Elliot Cadeau highlight reel right now. So uh, you got a chance to see him up close and personal, as you mentioned, on Friday night. You did a sit down uh, just talking to the kid. Tell me what you think about uh, about his weekend and, and uh, just what you came away feeling about his game and where he's positioned uh, for the coming summer. Yeah, the only reason I don't think uh, the rave of how good Cadeau was came through is just because Powell was amazing this weekend too. And the same thing with Jackson uh, is I think what we're seeing with Cadeau, he's been kind of that guy for so long uh, that it's when he does kind of wild stuff, it's just like, oh, that's that's what Swaley Cadeau is supposed to do. Um, but the passing is just incredible. The feel is incredible. Um, he's, he's just a player who knows what to do, when to do it. And I think uh, a lot of it is just innate. You know, we asked him in, in the one-on-one story, like, how did you how did you develop into such a great passer? He's like, I don't really know. I've just kind of always been able to do it. And uh, that goes for people who believe the whole, you know, point guards are born, not made thing. That that is evidence for for your case. Uh, so uh, those are impressive. I think he averaged around eleven assists per game. He averaged a couple of steals per game. So that shows you his ability defensively, especially with moving his feet and, and that kind of thing. It was definitely something I was watching. Um, considering, you know, what may or may not happen in, in the next few months, you know, how could he guard, you know, taller, stronger guards? And I think the way he tries to do it, one, he kind of gets into them, for lack of a better term, kind of, you know, is, is in their space. And then if they try to go around him, he does have the lateral quickness to, to usually stay with people. Now, uh, what happens when people try to post him up? I think that's something that uh, whenever he gets to UNC, they'll have to to figure out. But defensively, I, I I felt better about him defensively after this weekend than I did before the weekend started. Um, everything else, I you know, he shot 50% from three. Uh, you know, it, it was only on eight attempts, I believe, but that was a question mark. People were saying, well, well can he shoot? Can he score? Um, I go back to what someone close to the program said back when he committed. It was basically like, he can score when he has to or when he needs to, but he chooses to 
get other people involved. Uh, I'll give people this from the the one on one. Uh, we had, he said a lot of people want to play with him. And I was like, you know, you kind of know the answer, but do you want to ask get his take? I was like, well, why do people want to play with you? He was like, because a hundred times out of a hundred, <laughs> if it's me and and a teammate on the fast break, I'm throwing the lot. And I think that, that tells you his mindset and and how he attacks the game. And again, for the 646 times, that's just something that Carolina hasn't had, that mentality in, in some time. Sean, you've been on the Cadeau is Ready train for quite some time. Is there anything that can make you more on that train? Are you more on that train? Do you, do you still feel like, yeah, bring him to college now? And Are you still convinced? I'm definitely not off the train. Um, I, I think he's shown what he can do. Uh, I think there's always an adjustment once you do get to the, the college level, but between the experience he's had and his age and just the gift he has passing the ball, um, I don't see any reason any reason why he does need to do another another year in high school. All right. So that wraps the four UNC commits that, that played in the evaluation period this past weekend. Uh, next one starts this weekend. Is that correct, Cheryl? Correct. So right. uh, Adidas uh, and Nike and Under Armour all have events um, beginning Friday. It escapes me where uh, Adidas is. Uh, Under Armour is in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And then uh, Nike is in uh, the Phoenix metro area. All right. So after this past weekend, we learned of two uh, brand new offers out to 25 players our class of 25 players, I should say. Koa Pete from the Compton Magic is a power forward, 6'8", 210. Uh, kid actually lives in Arizona. Uh, and also Darren Peterson from Phenom United. He's a shooting guard out of uh, Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. Shout out to Tommy Boy. And he's 6'5", 195. Sean, give me a brief synopsis on each one of these kids' games because I know you've seen the – I know you've seen Koa Pete a couple of times in person, but – just give us the quick snapshot of these two guys so that our listeners will be familiar with them. Yeah, I'll start with with Peterson. Uh, I think it was probably pretty clear that with with Heber Davis spending so much time at Adidas that there were, there would be some offers, uh, especially with the twenty twenty four class in really good shape. That those would be would be coming down and and the focus. So Peterson, really talented, uh, currently number six in twenty four seven. But that that side, you know, it's been a while since UNC has had a true shooting guard um, like that and. Six five size, the ability to, for lack of better words, uh, score at all three three levels. Probably one of Sherelle's favorite favorite uh, favorite words. But you know he he's really impressive to watch. He's been followed from a very young young age. Uh, so he you know he was receiving offers even before he got into high school. But I think uh, you know, right now in terms of improvement points, fairly right hand dominant. But when he gets in the lane at at six five and with that length, uh, you, you better you better watch out. And he has a really strong mid range game and, and good looking jump shot. So excited to track him as we go. And Koa Pete, uh, you know, he's a guy who's been on the scene, especially out here playing for the Compton Magic, that have been reading about well before he he came into high school. Uh, I think after his eighth grade year, he was at the Pangos event, made a big big mark going up against all the the rising seniors. Uh, and then this past summer, he was, I think, the youngest player to ever make the USA U-17 basketball team. So, you know, he's just kind of a physical freak. Last year when I saw him, I had to do a double take uh, just because he was playing on the 17-year-old level. And he looked—he he was the biggest, <laughs> pretty much the biggest guy on the court. Um, really talented, 
kind of a, a four that can get up and down the floor, can attack, uh, can shoot it. But I, I think shooting, especially from outside, needs to clean that up a little bit and get, uh, you know, that'll, that'll probably be his main main area. Uh, and once again, not kind of resting on the laurels of where he's at right now, but continuing to improve um, and and make that jump everybody thinks he, he will be making over the next few years. Awesome. Good stuff. Uh, I appreciate the, I guess, the, the insight, Sean, especially since you've been able to see uh, Coopede in person. It's hard for hard for, for Sherelle and I, since we're anchored down here in Kakalak, to be able to, to see those guys. Um, okay. That should do it for tonight. I'm going to give you guys a chance to throw in your two pennies before we get out of here. Sean, I know you've got uh, Baby Duty to jump into, so uh, two cents before you leave us? Uh, I mean, same as last time. I'm just excited to see what Drake Powell does in, in week number two, uh, new teammate was added. Uh, people will be kind of gunning for him, maybe a little bit more so. Mm-hmm. So looking forward to, to how he does in, in week two. Um, also seeing who else from the 2025 class uh, gets offers, especially with Hebert Davis being at Nike, most likely. For sure. Cheryl, two cents for us before we get out of here tonight. Uh, to Sean's point, uh, Caleb Wilson seems primed uh, as someone that they will evaluate and could, uh, have an offer by this time next week since Hebert Davis will be at Nike. And then I would say just uh, everyone check out the Inside the Commitment story on Harrison Ingram. I think you'll find his quotes um, enlightening about what he was told and uh, how the whole process of him entering the portal and ending up at UNC about two weeks later uh, happened. Yeah, man, you don't need me to gas you up. That really was uh, was well done regardless of what time of day you did that. Fellas, appreciate it as always. You guys always bring the heat, regardless of how tired or dehydrated uh, you might be. So I'm I'm thankful for you being here. Shout out to Johnny T-Shirt for sponsoring the show. Shout out to John Siegley for producing the show. Uh, I am just Joey Powell, the host. Until next time, we'll catch you all right back here on the Coast to Coast Podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Late. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV, the CBS Sports app, and streaming on Paramount+.